The Dode Fox Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Dode Fox Podcast. I'm Paul, he's Ronnie, and it's another four weeks until a home match, which probably isn't the worst thing given now that we've failed to win three of the last four games at Tanadice. Join the conversation on our socials. We're at Dode Fox Podcast on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Coming up on this week's episode, a look back at last week's live episode recording, the Fanland Review, Good, Bad and Ugly, Air Preview, The Rumour Mill, The Loan Report, Academy News, Women's Team and On This Day with the Arab Archive. It's all coming up on episode 227 of the Dode Fox Podcast. I am Callum Morris and you're listening to the Dode Fox Podcast. So welcome back to the award-winning Dode Fox Podcast with the honey-sucking Paul McNichol and no even packed for his work trip, Ronnie Costello. You're den with the cold, eh? You wee coffin beast. Uh, I am, and that's like we were sat side by side last week in front of an audience, but this week we are a couple of miles apart because I'm den of my own house so that I can mute my own microphone when I'm coughing up along here the day around It is shambolic. Do you want to share with everyone what your uh, screen name is currently? Uh, today I am Richard Cough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I night thinking of that, eh? No, no, it was on the spot. Quite happy with myself. Unbelievable. <laughs> so you mentioned it last week's live episode. Where do you want mm. to start? Do you want to start with the uh, with an apology for myself? For all the technical difficulties that we had? Well, it was uh, from from what people were telling me that were there, like, and obviously there was there was only a hundred and so people there, so many more listeners to this wouldn't really care what we're talking about. But when the microphones were getting used, there was a lot of feedback or whatever coming for it or whatever you call that technical term, but it was ringing around the stage. It was a bit of a nightmare for us, but I think... If you were in the audience, like they they were aware of it, but I don't think it was as bad as what we were getting. Uh, but you were just doing whatever you had to do to negate that. The o- the only downside to it is when I've when I've listened back to the episode, you didn't hear any of that interaction with the audience, which is a pay. Well, but, you, uh, you basically I've saved your blushes because you get called out for your dad, for boy, for five. There's a lot of that going on during that. So for people that aren't aware of it. Um, despite the two sort of run-throughs and whatever, on the day, I got far too excited in the stage setup and put the table far too close to the front of the stage. And testing everything was okay, but as soon as we stepped on the stage, we soon realised we had a problem. So it took, uh, we got through the first half. Um, Paul's holding of a microphone doesn't help. Uh, in fact, uh, it should be at your mouth, but he holds it at his chest. But still, the, it didn't matter if he'd have done that, but we're still going to get problems because we're too close to the front. So, as Paul has mentioned, the flip side of that is, it, actually, the podcast, I mean, people will be amazed at this, it doesn't get much editing done, right? But that had to be fully edited, through, th- uh, put through loads of different bits of software to eliminate the noise, the feedback and everything, it was at the expense of the crowd noise. And that was really frustrating because just to hear a wee bit interaction is really good. And mm-hmm. I, w- I nearly said it was like, like we tell jokes, but some things you would say you would get a nice reaction. It would be quite funny and stuff, but that, that kind of went 
against him. We, we noticed it very quickly at the start of the intro when it didn't work. And I was like, oh, it's going to be any of these days. So yeah, so very, very frustrating. Yeah, on the flip side, thank you so much to everyone for coming out, giving up the Sunday afternoon, putting up with what was problems. Again, I don't, there wasn't like a lot made of it there, but on the stage it was it was pretty horrific at times. But we got through the episode where we look back. Um, thanks again to Scott Bakey for coming on. Uh, his Tenet Sixes side is on our social media. It's Cavalier, you know. Mm-hmm. It's Cavalier's two left backs with the squeeze in to six a side team. That's all right. And that that would be fine. So that was really good. Uh, he did say on the back of it, I can't believe he didn't speak about the eighty seven season, which happens. That just mm-hmm. you get caught up sometimes. Uh, he is not alone in missing the goal in the nineteen ninety four cup final. A previous no, a podcast pal has done that as well. Uh, yeah, a certain a Mr. Ricky Ross done that. So uh, Callum Morris jumped on for a Q and A which was good fun. Um, there was a lot of interesting questions in there. And what I like about our Q&As, and I think what Callum soon found out, it's not always about him, and it's definitely not always about football. Absolutely not. No, there, there was questions about my dislike for fifers. There was all manner of things, and you could see him looking over as if to say, what did I agree to do this for? Like, this is absolutely nothing to do with me. I, I could have been sat in my house the day while you used to idiots are getting asked these daft questions, but... But he took it all in great spirits. Uh, like when he was a guest on the podcast, he was brilliant. He was just as just as good and just as nice last Sunday. I think he's a wee bit scared of our mate Martin. Uh, a cost of twice. Yeah, yeah. Is there no talk of going to the brewery with him or something? Uh, yeah, uh, so I think... I just need to. Yeah, yeah. And I think only one will survive. I think that much is clear. <laughs> but, but it was very good. The whole day was good. Uh, didn't start off great for me because I was shiting myself again. Didn't really sleep much on Saturday night, as you could imagine, Rondo. You can what I'm like. You kind of don't like these things, but it was uh, some some issues aside. It was a success of a day. I think it went quite well. The money that were raised, or the money that Abdi that bought tickets and bought raffle tickets, raised towards to more than worthy causes was fantastic uh, to to get over. A thousand pound, and then split that fifty-fifty each way. That was class. Uh, so it was, it was, it felt good to be a part of that. And uh, I, like, I know, I know that you'd like to do these things more often, and uh, there's, there's every chance that they will happen more often. I, I really, I mean, the, these weird ones are uh, kind of two. Kind of for us, it was a two two sided thing. It was on one side, it had been since May was the last live show, and I think it's. It's important that if you're going to do these things, you, you do need to sort of jump back on stage when you can. But also, it was a case of, this is how we started with a really small recorder. Let's do that again, a bit of a different venue and stuff. But, you know, there's a bar there accessible for people. It was quite small. It could be quite intimate because you could, I mean, you could see the whites of people's eyes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and and it was good. Like and like you were able to see them because you were looking at the audience. I was still in my shell, hiding for uh, any eye contact with anybody other than my old man. But that's just the way I dealt with it. But it was good fun. It was good fun once it got going. I also um, remember the look in your eye of how confident you said you went to Glasgow through Ken Ross, and to hear a whole room laugh back at you. And I just mm. wish. 
that that bit of the audio worked because everyone would have been like, mm-hmm, yep, totally. And then even you were heckled for your own old man. I mean, that's that's standard. That's that's a lifelong heckle that I've been dealing with. Rondo. That there's not. I tell you what, though, no. I did I did notice he blamed it on traffic Scotland, though. Come on, I mean, he wasn't taking any responsibility there. It's it's the McNichol way, like accept no blame. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of the raffle as well, have to say thank you to those who. First and foremost, for you guys for buying tickets, by the way, right? Because, again, it goes to that amazing total of £1,100 that we've been able to split between the, f- uh, the fan support and food banks, Dundee, and the Dundee United display team. Uh, Clark's gave us a really nice party package. That's if it was for six people. Might only be for four, but people will get a good use out of that. There was a black and tangerine hoodie from the brilliant capable clothing, Dundee. And the cool thing about this is Rob was like, oh, you can have a black hoodie with you know, like uh, tangerine writing, or uh, you could do it the other way around, stole it up to yourself. So that was quite cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got two tangerine dream car freshes from the wee melting pot. Now, we've had these uh, as well. We got sent them a lot of while ago, but they were brilliant. So, and you can't get them. They are uh, they are available. Uh, if we can get links and stuff, for MD, we mentioned, if you send us any links, we'll share them and whatever and let people know. Also, very popular in the room was, of course, a signed and framed Ian Hart's print. That uh, that went out. There was a framed and signed uh, Levine Swanson Dixon event poster as well. Uh, we had the signed and framed print Callum Morris going against the Wee team, which Richie Rockefeller won and put it right in his living room. I wonder if that's still there a week later. Yeah, I'm led to believe that the wedding picture was removed and it was replaced with the signed Callum Morris going against the Wee. so, and rightly so. Indeed, indeed. There's a better memory. <laughs> He'll not say that, but anyway, uh, we had a signed United away shirt as well, and two brilliant prizes from Sir Andrews Bruco, uh, like Paul's alluded to. And we did give away private brewery tour for six people, and the caveat is, and that this was no bullshit last week. You actually have to take, you have to take me and Paul. Well, we have to be part of it, which is class. And there was a food and drink voucher for four at the Kirt Hall venue as well, which was up to the value of £100. So thank you very much to every single company that did donate something towards the raffle. And like you say, between the ticket sales, the raffle, the profits came out £1,100. So to show what we could, a small-ish <laughs> show on a Sunday afternoon to ro- raise these kind of funds there's something that would be pretty cool to do a wee bit more going forward. We've learned a lot of lessons of how to set up and stuff like that. Because one person actually said to me, um, why did you not do it in the little theatre? Because it's kind of like 100 people. And the much I did love the little theatre, it's the costs involved to put them on to the flip mm-hmm. side for how much profit you can have. And that's mm-hmm. kind of outweighed it. Because I think the little theatre is a brilliant venue. Like It's an absolute brilliant venue. Yeah, But... It's just those wee things that come into it. When you're trying to raise money to to donate to these things, you know, then it's it, that does outweigh what where you're going to be able to do it. I mean, I, I've said for a while, Dundee's screaming out for a purpose sort of 200-seater venue and stuff like that to get that mid-range kind of thing between what is a small show like that and the Gardline Theatre. But it was um, that aside and the, the problems we were having in the, the first half, because I actually... I got home via the Chinese takeaway, I will tell you. And Claire said to me, how did it go? And I was like, I have no idea how the first half went because I was just in a total different place. I said, but I really enjoyed the Q&A. 
And I because I, I enjoy the difference in questions that we get. And I mean, I'm still trying to work out what Kai Fotherham's meal deal is, which uh, I've still no idea. But just the, these daft things and the raffles was quite good fun because, again, you know, there's always shouts of fix and, and whatever else. So, yeah, so the first half sort of pa- passed me by. And then when I was putting it together and I, I listened to the first, the raw recording of it, and I just went, oh, my heart pure sunky. So I just pure deft in at my special curry, fried rice and chips, yes. And just thought, I'll go back to you in an hour. And uh, I did. And, and and that's what it was. So, yeah, really disappointing for that. As always, there'll, there'll probably be a couple of the questions we'll maybe package up and throw out that Callum did. Again, it is a just for the people in the building. There was nothing too controversial. Um, but there was some... Yeah, there were some interesting questions uh, <laughs> going back and forward. But again, thank you so much for giving up your Sunday afternoon uh, to come along to Clark's last week. One thing I want to mention just before we do go uh, go on is that one idea we did toy with at the start of the season is something that we'd like to do. And it's kind of based on, it's not too hybrid here, but we can myself and Paul, during the summer when we come back in the early weeks, we usually discuss anything we're going to do like we're going to plan a show we're going to do this or what kind of guests could we get whatever and um we quite like the idea of doing something like a bit of a round table so kind of having maybe six eight people around the table funnily enough and uh, just chatting about like a month in the season or what's been going on and stuff and just to get really different views and we're thinking that it could be something we could maybe do obviously the two of us unfortunately need to be there but then fans could come on we could see if uh, a journalist would come on and stuff and just get different views around the table and put it as an episode now the only thing we've got is it would probably have to go out on a normal week because the only break is next weekend which is too close for uh, planning and stuff because I'm actually going to win a work trip the morning but or the day as you listen to this. But that is something we really like to do. So we'll maybe talk more about that, get maybe a date put aside for it, depending on the fixture. So we'll maybe arrange something like that if people want to do that. We'll get together one afternoon on a Sunday, a few more people, a few more voices and just have a bit of blood, see what comes out. Let's see, we like to try and do some new things is what we're trying to do. Different things, Rondo. Yes, yeah, that's what we're trying to do. But anyway, so again, thank you so, so much. Uh, we mentioned it the last couple of weeks, of course, there's a couple of games that have been rearranged coming up. Wraith Away is now the 16th of February. It's a Friday night on the Beeb, and the Morton Away game that was cancelled has been rearranged for Tuesday, March the 5th. <coughs> right, let's get into the bits of both before yesterday then, Paul. Nabdies went out. Somebody's mm-hmm. been extended. Nabdies came in. And there's chat we might need get or might get or we might need another centre half. Yeah, yeah. It's uh I think Barragetti is the one that you're referring to. Is, is it just another seven day loan, I think? Yeah. And uh I mean, I d I, I don't know. I am not really sure what's going on with that. Seven days here, seven days there. It's it's a wee bit strange. Players coming in, the likelihood is that we're probably gonna try and bring in a centre half, as you've just touched on, because we've got Ollie Denham out the door and I think just for for cover more than anything uh, although and we will get to it Ross Graham didn't do himself any harm yesterday but I think that we we do lack like a right-sided centre half but I mean I've said it to you all season when, when you've asked me what positions do we need to strengthen like you could argue 
for every position in the team that we could strengthen. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see that. I think, is it, is it the end of this month? Is it Tuesday or Wednesday that the window shuts? Yeah, it'll be the 31st, so it might be as late as Thursday. Tuesday. We'll know. Maybe Thursday. We'll know soon enough anyway. So, uh, yeah, one to watch. Indeed, indeed. So, um, Dufferman, the visitors to Tanadice yesterday. After an enforced break, which we discussed last week uh, and the week before, that the break probably came at the right time, at the expense, of course, of not beating the Scottish Cup, which was obviously really disappointing. But mm. it would give time for those injured players to get a bit of time, for new signings to get them uh, back in, uh, into the team as well. And also, uh, Craig Sibbald would be available uh, after suspension. The only doubt, uh, or actually the only person ruled out, would be Declan Gallagher. And that's the way it went. Although the only boy missing off the team, she was Declan Glass, wasn't it, in the... Uh, Mm-hmm. 20 yesterday but uh, probably a good couple of weeks the, the, I know they got a bit of a break as well which hey nothing against that you know sometimes you need that but it was going to come at the right time by bringing in you know boys like Ross Dockery and giving them a chance to, to get back fit and on the pitch yeah and when when I saw the, the first 11 coming out I thought well that's like, I can't really argue with much of that, to be honest. It's, it's possibly what I would have went with as well. Uh, I know you can you can make an argument for other for other players maybe swapping swapping in and swapping out, but I just thought, given the form and the way that the team has been playing the last few weeks, that probably was their best eleven at that time, or it, it certainly felt like that before the match. And also, when you looked to the bench, the bench was actually looking quite strong as well. There was. There was guys that you could look to and think that they should be able to come on and make a difference if the game requires a difference to be made. Yeah, and obviously the big talking point, Louis Moult was back in, but he was only on the bench. I think we had said, kind of, I think I said it last week when you put me on the spot, kind of remember it was during the episode or during the Q&A, but I was saying that, you know, my starting three up front would have been that three yesterday just on forum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I don't think there's any, there was any complaints. I would have, I would have left him on the bench yesterday, certainly uh, at the start of the game. Uh, and as you say, based on based on nothing other than forum, like it's, it's not that I, I dislike the guy, it's not that I like him. It's just on on current forum, he, he would have been on the on the bench if I was picking the team. The one guy that, and, and I'm I'm not saying I disagree with the decision, but the one guy that I kind of felt a wee bit for was Tilson because I thought against Inverness he was probably our better player, uh, and then he's been left out. However, as I say. If everybody's fit, I would have probably left them out as well. So uh, it may have been harsh, but it was probably the right thing to do. Three changes. A first start for United for David Wotherspoon, Craig Sibyl back for suspension, and the lesser spotted, especially at Tannadice, the captain, Ross Dockery, back in the team for the first time since about the start of uh, December, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was, uh, it was... I was looking forward to the game, Rondo, just because, because we'd brought in... Wotherspoon, I was looking forward to getting my, my first glimpse of Grieve at home, uh, Doherty being back fit, uh, and McPake coming to town, boy that kind of be head. I was, I was really looking forward to the game, just to see what we could do. And uh, y- yeah, yeah, it's not something I'm going to look back fondly on uh, in, in the fullness of time, but before the match I was certainly keen to see what was going to happen and how it was going to play. Yeah, I thought we started the game really well. I thought the first 20 minutes... We, we played with a purpose, we played with a drive, we played with a tempo, probably without causing the keeper too many 
direct problems, but, you know, we had chances, we had efforts, we had cross in the box, we had, you know, goal, attempts at goal, wide, over, whatever, corners and whatever for that first 20 minutes. And then for 10 minutes, we just fell away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so at the game, like, and I, I know, like we've discussed this at length this season, I usually lose my shit at the game. And then I go back and watch it the next morning and I'm thinking, oh, we weren't that bad. So it was kind of the opposite this time. So when I was at the game yesterday, I thought the first 20, 25 minutes, I thought we've really, we've really pinned them back here. We are like, they're batting and doing the hatches trying to keep us at bay, which, which they didn't. And I think Sybil had like a half hour effort on target in the first 20 minutes. But then when I went back and watched it, like it wasn't as, I didn't feel like we were, dominating nearly as much as I felt when I actually watched it in live time uh, but we were definitely the better team the first 20-25 there's no doubt about that Dunfermline came the, the, the whole game they, they were happy just to get a point like a point for them is a good result at Tannadice they're kind of struggling just now they're needing as many points as they can get on the flip side so are we to try and pull away at the top but uh, out with the first 20-25 minutes Rondo it was just it was it was pretty boring to be honest with you. Yeah, they opened the twenty minutes. I mean, Craig Sibyl twice had uh, efforts. You had um, Kyle Fallon was denied with a bit of a block. There was shouts for a penalty, but a, mm, a very similar to the Grimshaw one the other week. I think I'm, I w- I wasn't screaming for that. Maybe if I was in the stand where you are, I probably would have. But uh, I I wasn't convinced for where where I was. And then uh, Ross Graham went uh, over the bar. Fair corner. Um, and like I'm saying, that first 20 minutes, you know, you've seen things like, you know, McMahon, Middleton got doing the wings, beat the boy, got the ban, you same doing the right hand side, you were getting crosses in the box, and there was a real bit of a tempo. And like, I'm sure it was around the 22nd minute. For there to like the half hour, it was like, what have we been for eight minutes? Have we no bothered here? And although we, 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 we I'm not saying we got back in the game, I, I don't think we fell out the game. It's just, we kind of, weren't as high up the pitch, weren't as much of a tempo and we were and, and we were kinda of inviting or they were finding the spaces in the middle of a of the park. Now I've said this for a while. Sometimes because we play a wee bit cavalier at times and push bodies up the park, when we lose the ball, could be for a call, could be for any situation, I just find there's always this wee triangle in the middle of the park that we've never got a body and the opponent or we've got bodies, but the opponent always seem to have an extra end. Really frustrates mm-hmm. me. I've no idea why that is. I've no idea how to combat it, but it's just something to notice. Yeah, it's well, they're just, I mean, I wouldn't have said it was because we were playing Cavalier yesterday by any shake, but but you're right, they were finding wee pockets of space, and, and that it has been a thing that I, the games against Partick, I know that the guy Lawless and the other Baldi Arsehole, I can't remind his name, but he Baldi Arsehole, that could, I mean, you could be describing us, really. <laughs> I probably am. But these guys, although they're no great players, like they're smart enough to to get themselves into these positions. And I think at times yesterday, in that period after the first 20, 25 minutes, Dunferman were finding themselves in there. The boy O'Halloran was causing like he used to be a good player. He's I think he's washed up now, like in my opinion. But he was causing a wee bit of bother, but but no too much, if you can what I mean. And I think as you say, it was just I don't know if we maybe when, when we start games fast this season, we get an early goal. Mm. It seems to just settle everything that settles the team doing, it settles the crowd doing. 
even for like a period of time, it settles ah and done. When we didn't get it, I think that we quickly run out of ideas of how to break this team down. Because teams are just coming and, and sitting. Missed teams that I've watched this season come to Tannadice. No every team, but missed teams have just came, have just sat. And if we didn't get an early goal, it's just an absolute bore to watch. Like we, we go, we revert back to, to what nobody likes to watch. We'll go slow, we'll go side to side. We control the bar, we control the territory. If you want to use like a rugby terminology, like we're we're playing in their half. But we're never really looking like then nothing. And yesterday was really poor. Like as I say, like Sybil had an effort on target in the first half, but it was an easy save. And out with that, we may have had some crosses into the box and and some chances some over, but we didn't afford to keep her day enough. No, no, like Mr. Mamet had a, a, a relatively easy day of it, but he certainly had a relatively easy first half, that's for sure. Certainly around, um, after that sort of 10 minute spell, when we kind of fell back a little bit, let them hear a wee bit more of the bar, it was very audible for where I was that, that for about at least five minutes, Jim Goodwin was screaming at them to up the tempo, to play it quicker. Mm. And it just didn't yeah. seem to happen. Like we seem to just, like you say, the bar just again goes back and forward and it, it was weird. I hadn't probably picked up on it and Scott made a really good point last week when he was on. And for all the praise and deserved praise that Jack Walton gets, mm. there is that tendency sometime just to hold on to that bar five seconds too long. Just sometimes. Mm. Even yesterday it was it was quite evident that there was a, a spell that could have went out to McMahon and ended up going out to McMahon. But by that point, they've got now two men on them. You know? And again, that's a tiny wee thing, but just in these situations when, it's different if you're three and a half up. Okay? But just mm. yesterday there's these times and again, it's the only thing and only because I got noticed yesterday and I, I, I got mentioned last week and I was watching it yesterday and I'm thinking... I've probably no noticed that this season and it was just a wee bit evident there because it was probably still ringing in my head and I'm thinking, I don't know what meal deal Jack Walton gets. No. And yeah. I was thinking, just get, maybe the bar needs to go out, but I can, you know, they see it differently for where they are. I mean, I'm up above it. I can see the pitch perfectly and where there's pockets of space and all that kind of stuff. And maybe just for where he was, he couldn't see what I was seeing. But I think, yeah, the first half sort of Peter do. A wee bit, I think. Um, there were, I think we had a bit of an effort near the end, but again, it wasn't even close to the goal. And you know, Walton had a play at the end of the first half. Uh, I'm not sure who it was, just outside the box, Dunfermline boy. He, he rattled it, uh, bottom right hand corner. If you're the keeper, but he turned it away. Uh, like I've watched it back at the time. I thought it was a great save. Watched it back. It's a save he should be making. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they're, they're the annoying <laughs> things, but. When keepers are making saves they should be making, it's a bit like, nah, like it's, it's, but they'll get, we'll get to a save, obviously, at the end of the game, actual game that we'll obviously mention, but when keepers make saves like that, it's, it's just, it's nothing. Like, it's like a short right doing at them. They, they should always sort of gather it, but yeah, it was, it was a very itsy peeksy first half. We were good for 20, we fell off it, and then both teams didn't the day really much, and, we kind of went in at half time, and I think the reaction surprised me a little bit at half time. Mm, a, wee, the nah, a wee bit, a wee bit, but again, based on probably the last 10 15 minutes of that half, yeah. yeah. 
I think it, it's because it's no a great watch run. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I was I was pretty bored. Now I'm no the I'm no the sort of person that'll boo. Like, I, I, personally, I don't see the point. But each to their own. But I, I kind of, in a way, I understand it because what we watched in the moment, certainly for the last half of the first half, uh, it was it just wasn't that there was nothing coming off. There was boys that looked like they weren't a trend, their best, their hardest. Uh, it was a series of bad touches, bad passes, not really creating anything. And it's, again, maybe maybe there's a bit of an expectation where we're just going to these games against a team like Dunfermline and fully expecting to win. And, and I, I'm guilty of that. I expect United to be beating Dunfermline, 100%. Uh, but I think, it, I think a lot of it's frustration. Because as much as like Dunfermline had that one chance right before the end of the half, apart from that, they they they, they might have got narrow a foothold in the first half to, towards the end of it, but I never thought I never felt troubled by them, and I think that we're looking at these teams thinking that we should be better than this, and and if we were just up the fucking pace a bit, up the tempo, stop being so easy to play against. Like you you touched on it there, you said Jack Walton. Maybe he huds on that for a few seconds. He does. But what a difference the few seconds make because it allows them to get Abdi back again. And it's so much more difficult to try and break it down. So I, th- I think the reaction at halftime is just frustration. Massive frustration. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, let's say that, that first 20 minutes, that's what they have to keep up. And let's say for the last 50 minutes of that half, he's screaming at them. Like, up the tempo, do things quicker, and it doesn't happen. And it, you could see, even evident throughout the first half, you could see David Witherspoon is a different type of player to what we've got. He plays a different type of pass to what we've got. And he's no scared to open the open the pitch up. Can just you, He could be sitting probably near enough in the right-back slot, but he st- he, the bar goes inside, and then he'll go and get it, and he might, he's playing different kind of... Passes as well. He wants to do things a wee bit different. Was he his best game of every? No, of course it wasn't. Of course, of course it wasn't. But I can see enough that he's going to bring a different type of play. And that three, him, Sybil and Dockery, once they click, could be really, really impressive. Could be really, really impressive. But it was no surprise that Dockery faded, given he's mm. been out for so long. You know, and I, I probably wasn't surprised Wotherspoon came off when he died. I thought he'd maybe come off by earlier as well. So there mm. is that 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 is going to be interesting going forward. And then the point into the second half as well. The first fifteen minutes of that were certainly forgettable. Mm. Like that was just duller than dishwater really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just it was another one of these games and like I know it feels like it was weeks ago, but it was similar well not similar, but it, in some ways similar to the Inverness game. It's just it's one that you're just not gonna look back on. We any like what are you gonna remember about the Inverness game? The goal. That's about it. Like the rest of it was absolute mince. And it's it felt like it was similar that way yesterday. Like when I'm sitting here trying to think of what to speak about about the game. It's just one of like disappointment and frustration because like I, th- I feel like if we had have upped the pace a wee bit earlier than we actually bothered to up the pace in the game, then we might have got our three points out of it. But we just, for whatever reason, we did not. Did we run out of ideas? Possibly. Was there a lack of effort? Maybe for a couple. Uh, 
but it's just I think I think uh, there's been certain games where I think we've been crying out for a change. I think Goodwin has made the changes that we're maybe all thinking, and they've been the right one, and it's and it's made a difference, and and it's like we've ended up winning games that we may be fortunate to win. But yesterday, I I just thought that the way that we were playing and the way that Dunfermline were playing, I was choking to see Grieve come on, and I was choking to see Grieve come on up front because I was thinking, well, it, I I would have taken what off. Because I didn't think he was very good at all yesterday. I'm surprised he came out for the second half. Put it that way. So, so was I. So was I. But I, I also was thinking I wouldn't just swap him for Molt because I would say Molt's a better finisher. But we're not creating much, so I, I were really needing that finisher. I thought it would have been better to have like a buzz bomb like Grieve, just going and harassing and, and closing out and doing. Uh, but when we eventually did bring him on, we stuck him out wide and. We went we Malt up front and it was the Louis Malt that we've had for kind of number of weeks now. He was to, he was kinda of off it again. And Neymar, fine example of that in about two minutes for the end when he chips the bar right over the bar to to Napier. I, I watched it by the day. I, I have no idea what he's trying to do. Can't kind of be trying to shot because the keeper's on his line and there was Napier in the box to cross this. So just just a series of bad decisions. But it was just it was just poor. Like we didn't get anything that we need favour forward players yesterday. Defensively, I thought we were fairly sound, fairly solid as always. Uh, but I also seemingly like Dunfermline have got a lot of boys missing, so it wasn't even their best eleven, and we just we just couldn't break them down, Rondo. Like we just could not break them down. I know we'll get to we'll get onto the substitutes in a second, but um, there's obviously a player on that Dunfermline team that we really didn't like. What about when one. he threw himself to the deck next to Scott McMahon and then got yeah. up and pretended he'd been volleyed and limped yeah, out of the way back? Prack. Yeah. Of course, but the thing is, people do that because on the odd occasion it works and they get penalties, especially in a, in a game where there's Navar. But it was as blatant a dev as you'll see. It was up there with our both boys uh, just after the new year. Like It was a clear, clear dev to me. And... The ref should have blew the whistle. He should have stopped the game, and he should have administered the yellow card to the boy. But ultimately, they didn't get a penalty for it, and that was that's the main thing, I suppose. But yeah, it was it was a definite death. There's no doubt about it. So substitutions, like you've mentioned, Grieve and uh, Molt come on for Watt and Fotheringham, um, and then just after that, Dockery and Witherspoon were replaced by Mikis and Tilson, and the uh, final change, eleven minutes for time. Uh, Matthew, could you on? For Glenn Middleton, so there was certainly um, there weren't the substitutes looking to go and get a nil nil out of it. There were certainly mere positive substitutes in terms of you know you you've took off two real experienced players in the middle of the park, but we've we've mentioned they're both coming back for injuries as well. Your front three have all been replaced. I think there's an argument you could replace all the front three at half time or in the hour because I just thought that. E- even for the most game, you could you could get we were okay up until we got into that final third. Up until we got around the box, we had something like thirteen corners yesterday. Done nothing mean in them. I know, but but and I would agree with you saying that we were okay up until we got to that stage. But I would also argue Dunfermline were okay. We allowing us to hit the bat up mm. until that stage the pitch, that area, and then they just they just shut doors for a while. We, we just could not break it down. Uh, and it's, it has, it's disappointing, like it really is. Like, we should have enough to, to beat them. 
you mentioned that Alex Gravy come on obviously wide on the right. Um, what what I liked about him, and it's the first time I've really seen him, in, uh, first time I've seen him in the flesh, obviously, as a United player. And the first time I've really taken notice of him, even though he did score against for last season, but anyway. What I do like about him, he, he, he certainly off, I can't mind who he reminds me of, right? Of an ex United. Uh, maybe. But he just, he, he is a bit of a buzz bomb. But what I like, he picks up different pockets of space as well. Like, he, whether he was tilt that, but one minute he's on the left, he's in the centre, he's on the right. He picks up some really good places. He put a really nice ball in, probably for Louis Moult, while I was offside. And to be fair to him, knew he was offside, and Meekson should do better. Like, he should hit the target at least with that chance. But you just thought that I think you're starting to see wee things like that. But I'm the same as you. And I didn't think it at the time, but it was only when I watched it back and. I kind of thought, yeah, he probably he should have threw them up front, the two of them. He should have stuck them both up um, yep. together just to give him a wee bit more support because he was actually better when he was more out on the left than he was on the right once Kujo had yeah. come on. I think I think one criticism of the subbies yesterday would be that we just we swapped a right winger for a right winger. Like we didn't actually try to alter the system too much. We were just changing the players rather than changing the system. But. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not saying that if we had have changed anything else, it would have worked. I. I think what did work was towards the end of the game we up tempo. Personally, I, I think that was the the big, big change and 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 the game swinging completely back to us because at the end they they were the ends hanging on, and it wasn't because we were doing anything other than just playing with a wee bit of emergency. And do that for longer. I don't know. I'll tell you what. Um, th- th- there's one thing that's uh, kind of summed up the day as well. And after you pure try to bury us last week for Kujo the whole time, but there was a moment he picked the bar up, and he is always positive. And we've always said that he's always forward, he's always direct, and whatever. There's one point he picked the bar up. He was in and around the edge of their box. Literally ten seconds later, the bar was back with Jack Walton. Yes. Yeah. Because he he took a, t- a poor touch. I think he then plays it uh, behind Scott McMahon. He's got to then go and run it. And before he can do anything with it, he, he's, he's then coming it back to Jack Walton. And yeah, like, 100% at that time, I was thinking, how the fuck is the... How, how is the bat our keeper's feet? We were on the attack. We were damn near in their box. They've not touched the bat, and yet here we are with the bat still in, technically in possession of it, but what back at the keeper? It's madness. Madness. We, we run out of ideas in the final third round, though. Yeah, and I think it, it kind of, after the 20 minutes, opening 20 minutes when, you know, McMahon and Middleton got Joy doing that right-hand side, uh, left-hand side, they're right. Second half, no so much, but it summed up probably Glenn Middleton's performance yesterday when he took the took the ball on and dribbled out of the park. And it was just, yeah. it kind of summed up the front three yesterday, really, yeah. because yeah. it just, they just, nothing happened. Nothing, nothing came, went. Nothing came up, they were poor. It was one of the games, um, I suppose that I'm going to single them out a wee bit, but it was one of them where Tony Watt, it didn't look like he was busting a gut every second of the game there was times when he would go and close and there was times when he did not and I just I want to see I want to see nearer the intensity for him I like when that's when you're the, the striker up there like knock your pan in close our hand down chase our hand but the, there's times when he did and there's times when he did not and and when you're like that that can lead to accusations for pricks like me that that you could not be doing but in there yeah. and you're on a big winger it's like Kai and Middleton 
they never got any change at the the Dunfermline fullbacks at all. Yeah, really frustrating. Um, let's talk about the save of the afternoon. Yeah, yeah, it was a great save, uh, and it's it's a strange one because again, I watched it back this morning, and it doesn't actually look as good. But I was right behind it at the time, and Mikasen couldn't have hit it any better. It looked like it was curling into the top corner, and Dennis's big muckle left hand or whatever it was he got to it just claws it away. A really good save. Uh, highlights would have been on crime watch if that had went in, though, I think. But uh, I think Young Ertz, when he came on, he made a bit of a difference. He gets himself into good positions. Uh, I, would, I would like to think he could take a goal, although he's, he's, he's no... I think it was he scored one goal for one or something, but he does seem to get himself into good positions. Even against Inverness the last game when he came on, he he had a good shot. It was a good save for the keeper. Again, it was a good save. So it feels like there's something bubbling under the surface there. Maybe within a couple of games, he's he's going to get himself on the score sheet. But that, that he was unfortunate with that and should have done better with the first thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he, he's had a horrendous time out with with injuries and stuff. Obviously, the whole I think the whole time he's been at United, which is. Really, really frustrating for him because I, I do think he's a, a wonderfully talented football player. Um, mm. A wee bit like Chris Mulkey, there's a bit of an head on young shitters there. But again, for a lot of them, time's running out if they want to really make it here, given contracts are up and, you know, just trying it to really get a run of games as well, you know? Yeah, it really is. You know, you watch, you watch teams out of the world and... Some some of the biggest teams in the world, and they've got boys that are 16, 17, 18 in their team, and, and they're making big contributions to them. And these boys that we're talking about as, as youngsters, like they're at 20, 21 now, so there's got to come a point. I can't, I can't, Abdi gets it different. I can't, there's nothing set in stone that says, well, by the age of whatever, if you're not doing this, then you're never going to make it. I can't, Abdi's different. But we need boys to, to be fulfilling their potential. Uh, as quickly as possible, uh, and I'm, I'm I'm hopeful for for most of them still. But young Arch, if he could get a run, injury free run, and get some good good games and good minutes, then I've still got high hopes for him. Yeah, mm. mentioned that thirteen uh, corners yesterday, and apart from a couple of efforts going over the bar, for what I remember, Graham Hole and there might have been one more. It's just not good enough, given no, how good no. we've been. Probably is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, the the dead ball delivery wasn't a great. I mean, the one that Graham's had, it was just too high for him. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, like a bad header. He got on the end of it, but he was at full stretch and he he was still struggling to get to it, and he, he put it over the bar. But we did, we weren't a, we just weren't after it until injury time at the end of the game when when Young Arts is about curled in, and then I think it's almost right on the final whistle. Kevin Holt has his shot. I think it takes a wee deflection over the keeper. And I don't think it's going in. Like at the time I thought it was maybe sneaking in the back post, but when you see when you see the the footage for the DU TV, it looks like it's going past. But Louis Moult is on hand just to knock it in and, and there I think it's the left back Edwards or something, he gets back and a great a great bit of defending for him because he never gives up, he doesn't stop, he gets there. And does he get lucky? Of course he gets lucky, but he put himself in a position to get lucky by how can the bar after line? On a Louis Moult and then out for a goal kick. Yeah, some, uh, some, like I wasn't really sure what it was, a bit of a stramash. Uh, but yeah, the boy done re- really well with that. Now, fail to win. 
Six of our 11 games at Tannadice this season. 19 points for a possible 33 at home. Yeah. And that's why there's frustrations in the stands. Because boys pay a lot of money. It, there's not been many good games at him. Our growth, we battered. Of course, like we've we five, like, but it's, it's, it's been quite frustrating to watch. It really has. Away fans are probably getting uh, better performances uh, and certainly better results. But the, when it comes to Tanadice, teams are content to sit in, which is absolutely, they're, they're right. They're allowed to do that. It's, it's our job to try and break them down. And too often this season, we've just been found wanting in that respect. Yeah, hugely frustrating uh, in terms of that. Uh, the home forms, yeah, been really up and down, uh, especially the last. I think the last, like you said, the top there, that's three sort of shitty results at home in the last four, which which isn't great at all. And obviously we speak about it a lot that, you know, sometimes in games you can have one or two boys kind of off the boil, but let's say yesterday for your front three, Louis Moult as well, who was on for a good half hour, just the four of them, just, just know at the levels that no. they've maybe performed at parts of the season and could really struggle. And it could have came for, you know, somebody just getting anything, like Tony Watt closing a boy down and could win it. Moult even getting a shot on target. Across for the wingers, just getting to somebody that then goes on target and gear that wee boost. But it just nothing seemed to come off for them yesterday, huh? Yeah, one one of the days. Uh, but again, to touch on the, the fans' frustration, it's because there's been a few of one of the days. Uh, it's it's happened quite a few times this season, which like we, 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 you can't avoid it. We're st- we're top of the league. Uh, like it's things could be a lot worse, but it's just it's no great watching what we're watching just now. And I know after the Inverness game, we I think I might even fucking say it because I'm an idiot, but. You're like, oh, well, you would take 16 merely performances if we were going to score last-minute goals. You probably would. But Christ almighty, Rondo, it would be a, a right boring watch to the end of the season if that was the case. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's just... Can you, you look forward to going to the football? Certainly myself, I was really looking forward to it yesterday to see the skipper back, to see Wotherspoon, like a, a relatively... As good a squad and as good a team out as we could have had with Gallagher missing... Uh, and then it just it just didn't materialise into uh, something that I was actually should have been looking forward to because it was fairly dull. It was a point gained, like you said, mm-hmm. with the uh, results elsewhere, with the six-finger Fifers losing to Inverness. We're uh, a point ahead of Wraith Rovers with a game in hand now, so it's uh, kind of flipped a little bit because we were the one playing, had played a game there at one point. Yeah, yeah, and although we don't play that game in hand until the start of March, I'm pretty sure that they're in the Diddy Cup semi-final yes. next weekend, so we'll, we can't hear any slip-ups doing it here, uh, because then that will put us on the same games played. So it's again, it's an opportunity to go four points clear, and uh, that's, that's got to be the aim. But they've picked up the last couple of weeks as well, Rondo, they've had a couple of good results. And once again, it was another uh, new referee to myself, who overall, I wasn't a too annoyed with until a blatant professional foul on uh, Ross Dockery just let the boy run away. Didn't care. Didn't even bother. Yeah. And that is where their, their one shot before half-time came from. Because uh, Ross Dockery standing his ground, the boy just barges on the back on. Clear, a, a clear foul. As clear as the day. Uh, we didn't get it. 
they break up the park and uh, they force Walton into that save just before half time. But apart from that, and he runs funny. I, I didn't think any there was any blame that that's to the referee yesterday. Man of the match? Uh, by a mile, in my opinion, I thought it was Ross Graham. Mm. He's, had a tricky, he's, he's had a tricky time of, of late. He has, yeah, but I mean, there's something to be said for just, and again, these days, like, uh, we, we want Ahan instantly. There's, there's certainly something to be said for allowing a guy to play himself into form because Ross Graham, he's kicked his heels pretty much our season. And then we, we bring him into games and you just expect him to, to slot in seamlessly alongside somebody that he's not really played with. And then when performances aren't great, Abdi's on his back saying, oh, he can't do this, he can't do that. He's now been there for a few weeks. He's going to be there for another few weeks, at least. And uh, I thought Kevin Holt was good yesterday as well. But I thought Ross Graham, he just he was he was the cool head that we needed at times. And there was maybe only one instance, again, just before halftime, where I thought, oh, no, he's, he's trying to get a head on it. And he's kind of blew it. But then he he was uh, he was smart enough and quick enough, thankfully, to get back and, and rectify his, his slight mistake. So I thought he was our best player, comfortably. Which, which is a real, it kind of sums up the day yesterday when we were saying that, you know, Holt and Graham were probably the best players. I know Sybil got the sponsors. Man, man, it's, it's Sybil, it was good to see him back. Didn't I get us wrong? But it kind of just summed up the day yesterday when we've, you would think then we've been pure under the cosh eh, for the majority of the game when your centre half's getting man of, your man of the match, but it kind of wasn't really like that. I mean, again, when you look at, I mean, only one start matters, and that's the one that we're doing now. Nil. Again, and you're looking at like, you know, sixty-six possession, twelve shots. We've only had three on target. They've only had one on target, and you know we've apparently given away eleven fouls. There's been thirteen corners, and you're going, yeah, centre half gets man of the match. It's, I mean, great for him, great for him. Given mm-hmm. like we've just said, he's he's had a tricky old time of it but him and Kevin Holt I, d- I did think were really good yesterday no, overall for sure that, that, but then that goes to show how, how little spark and how little creativity that we had for anybody that was uh, technically a forward player yesterday so the fact that we're defenders were the, the standouts in a game where we weren't really under the cosh that much uh, that tells its own story but he he thoroughly deserved the man of the match in my opinion and of those around me in the stands I think when when we're daft stadium announcer said the wrong name again. When he said when he said it was Sybil, that I think we were all like that. Good, come on, Sybil's no been bad, but it's, it's clearly Ross Graham the day. Mm. Good, bad, and ugly. Well, the good Rondo we're now a point ahead of our nearest rivals in the league, uh, and we have a game in hand. Also, and this shouldn't be underestimated or underappreciated, but the attendance yesterday was once again fantastic for the level that we are at. Uh, to have over 7,000 Arabs parting with their hard-earned to come and watch the team is absolutely brilliant. If only it was slightly more pleasing on the eye. The bad, although we, didn't, although we did move a point clear yesterday, I can't help but feel that we missed a golden opportunity to move even further ahead. And the ugly just the championship in general the standard of football isn't it great the vast majority of teams that have come to Tanavich this season simply wanted to sit back defending numbers and waste time it's a hard watch most weeks especially recently and it isn't the sort of product that's going to entice more people to come along and, and part we well we are 20 good for the privilege ugly stuff Ron yeah, over 8,000 at Tanavich yesterday on Saturday 
We head west. It'll be uh, new manager Scott Brown's first game in the home dugout. Uh, they beat mm. Queen's Park at Hamden 2-1 on Saturday. And I've just seen a tweet that tickets are now on sale and you will be parting with another upwards of £20, Mr McNichol. It's £22 for an adult, 15 for over 65s and students, 15 for 13 17-year-olds and 6 quid if you're under 30. You can get them online at the website fc.co.uk but uh, yeah Ayr getting a, a good 2-1 win at Queen's Park yesterday they were a goal up uh, they then Queen's Park paid them back then got a man sent off and then Ayr got a winner uh, with 15 minutes to go it puts Ayr uh, 6 in the table 2 points behind champions elect Airdrionians uh, Montner on 29 Park on 37 Wraith 44 and United top on 45 it'll need to be a bit of a stodgy affair doing it Ayr when more dark arts and whatever else gets dealt up to what we're doing there yeah, it's. I mean, I guess in, in some ways we're heading into the unknown because they've got their new manager, boy that's never seen a yellow card raised in front of him in his life. Uh, the one, the one thing that, no, that we should be worried about, but one thing that will go in our favour is Logan Chalmers. Normally, is any of their first names on their team sheet down there. He can't play next week, so they'll have to change something up a wee bit. But again, like I, I said it just a couple of minutes ago, it's an opportunity for us to go four points ahead of our nearest rivals and that'll be hey, and played the same amount of games so we've just we've just got to God do what you can like the tempo's got to be different uh, the tempo has to be raised for what it was yesterday and for what it was against Inverness then I show them too much respect like we did up the road in the Highlands the other week just get wired in about them uh, stop going side to side stop going fucking backwards when you get to the opposition's box and just try and create a wee bit of more chances. Like when Jim Goodwin came in last year, like, okay, we lost the last five games after the split, which was an absolute sporting disaster. But we went from being a team under Liam Fox that couldn't create to a team under Jim Goodwin that was Mark and Share. There was loads and loads of crosses going into the box and we were creating quite a number of chances. And even at, the, at some points this season, we've done that. We've got to get back to that. And we need boys that are out of form, back in form. And... And if you're out of forum, knock your plans in. Mm. Do your absolute best. Yeah, uh, looking at the way uh, he's lined up as well, it looks like he plays a 4-4-2. And you don't see that much in modern football at the minute. Obviously, like you said, Chalmers will drop out. Aidan McGeady will probably come in uh, there. But yeah, 4-4-2, it looks like, uh, is what Scott Brown's kind of playing at the minute. And it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it's his first home game as well. Mm. We've been part of many a new manager bounce but like you said Paul it'll not be pretty some weeks but as long as we get the three points upgrade fair one we'll be happy come May put it that way yeah yeah definitely it's of course it's an opportunity our away record's good so it does lead me to believe that we will put in a better performance than what we saw yesterday but ultimately you've you, like what I think doesn't really count for anything so we've just got to go down there and as I, as I keep saying Rondo intensity's got to be raised You've just got to up the tempo when we're playing the games. Then I'll be sitting back. Then I'll be sitting after them. Just get right in their face. Fade the get-go. Like what you, We all believe that we are the best team in this league. Uh, and I would like to think most United fans think that we're the best team in this league. But go and show it. Go and show it on a weekly basis. Go and show it every minute of every game. Just get it done. 
Right, over to you. What's been happening with the Academy, the women's team, and of course everyone's favourite part of the episode. It's the loan report. We'll start up with Flynn Duffy at Peterhead. Another 90 minutes on Saturday for Flynn as he was at home to Stenhouse Muir. He'd come up against both Stenhouse Muir's wingers, as when the first one wasn't getting any change out of him, they swapped. Flynn would show his usual abundance of energy and drive all day as he got the full 90 minutes in a 2-1 win for Peterhead. Rory Adams at Edinburgh City. It was a dreadful result for Edinburgh on Saturday as they were comfortably pumped 3-0 down at Annan. One real positive, however, is that Rory did manage to save a penalty in the match. It's no surprise to anyone that Edinburgh will certainly be relegated at the end of the season. And it's good that Big Rory is going to get plenty of game time and also plenty of opportunities to shine during the games. But playing behind that back line is going to cause him to have a fair few shite Saturday nights. Leighton Bisland at Falkirk. Leighton's loan spell at Falkirk is on the verge of lapsing into what's the point territory as he was once again an unused sub. His loan side would win 5 0 on the day and Leighton would have got a cracking view of it all for the side of the pitch. Logan Chalmers at Air United. It was a two game week for Logan this past week. On Tuesday evening, he'd help his side to a 2-0 win over Arbroath by scoring the second on the night. He'd also get 87 minutes of the match before being subbed up. The second game of his week was at Hamden, and it would be the great unbookable Bruni's first game as air manager. Logan would have been delighted to keep his place in the team under the new manager, and he'll have been even happier that he'd play the full 90 minutes and play a part in his side picking up back-to-back victories as they'd win 2-1 on the day. They seem to have hit a little bit of form in time for the Tangerine Express heading for air next Saturday, but ever-present Logan will have to make do with a seat in the stand for that one. Lewis O'Donnell at Kelty It was to be a very bad day at the office for Lewis on Saturday. His Kelty side were away to Stirling Albion in a game that was, at least in my opinion, winnable. There was a positive though. Lewis would play the full 90 minutes of the match. In fact, he'd play 92 minutes. The negative was that his Kelty side lost 5-0 on the day and Lewis got sent off in the 93rd minute. He'll get a week off next week for his troubles. The academy lads were back in action on Friday as they made the long trek down to Dumfries to face Queen of the South in the Scottish Youth Cup. It would turn into a skoosh on the day and they'd head back up the road having won 5-0. The goals were scored by Samuel Cleal Harding, Adam Carnwath, Brandon Forbes and a double from the returning Rory McLeod. The win sealed their passage into the semi-finals of the competition where they are joined by the Blue Arsteek, the Sheep and Scott Brown's Air United Burns. The women's team. United added a player to their squad this week when they brought in 27-year-old forward Morgan Steedman from St Johnson. I would say that's a position of need this season as goals have been hard to come by for the team and Morgan will be looking to get into the starting lineup this weekend as the team are at home to Hamilton. All the best to them. Indeed. Right, final bit of business then. It's on this day in association with the Arab Archive preserving the history of Dundee United Football Club since 2006. 29th of January is a focus today. Strap yourself in, Paul. Three games for you. A Division 1 fixture at home to Morton in 1972 is where we begin this week. It was 0-0 at half-time. United dominated large portions of the second half, but it was not until the 68th minute that we got our noses in front. Ian Mitchell scored the first goal of the game. Well, chances came and went at each end. It looked as though it would finish there. 
However, there was a flurry of goals in the last five minutes. Substitute Jackie Copeland double United's lead with five remaining. Then Joseph Mason pulled one back to give United a nervous last few minutes. But it finished 2-1 to the good guys. We were in Scottish Cup third round action in 1991 as East Fife headed to Tannadice. Yes, that's a third round replay against East Fife. Now on the half hour mark, the Fifers as they had done on the Saturday, shocked United by taking the lead. Cowell's cross uh, came uh, to which uh, Stuart Wilson met on the volley. He directed a shot just inside the post. Immediately we were stung into retaliation. Duncan Ferguson blasted over, and then Freddie van der Hoorn shot narrowly past after a neat interchange of passes with John Clark. Unlike the previous match, there was only a short period of anxiety before the equaliser came. Five minutes before half-time, Darren Jackson sent over a cross, which Big Dunk headed down, and John Clark blasted an equaliser from just inside the box. That's how it finished after 90 minutes, and the tie went into extra time. But within three minutes, we'd taken the lead for the first time in the match. Miodrag Kravokopic made a run from the back, his diagonal pass split the Fivers' defence, allowing Duncan Ferguson to neatly beat the advancing keeper and put us into the next round. It was Scottish Cup action again in 1994 and kickoff was delayed by some seven minutes to allow near 6,000 people into Gayfield and right for the start, Arbroath facing wind and Premier opposition found themselves up against it. United went ahead after just 10 minutes. Scott Crabbe stretched to divert Craig Brewster's cross over the line from six yards out. United were then denied a stonewaller or a penalty. Alec Cleland was held back in the box. Gordon Petrich then went close, but a second goal soon followed. From all of 75 yards out, Craig Brewster played a 1-2 with Scott Crabb and then smashed it right in the top bin. Faced a near gale in the second half, the Smoky Lovers pulled one back before Billy Baggio made it 3-1 for the spot. Slackness in the United defence allowed Arbroath in to make it 3-2 with 12 minutes to go, and that's how it finished. I just wonder how that season might have panned out in the end. I, th I, think, it, I think it was alright in the end, Rondo. Yeah, I'm fairly certain of that. Yeah. 75 yards now that's up to. We'll give it a couple of seasons and it will actually it'll reach 80. I'll reach it. I'm sure as well that when we spoke to Paul Riley many, many, many moons ago on this podcast, he was at the East Fife game, the first tie at East Fife, and Paddy Connolly has scored the equaliser in about the 97th minute before you got seven minutes added on at the end of the games routinely. And I think he has loud to the wah or the fence at the side of the pitch and lost his car keys. I'm fairly certain that that is what happened that day. Outstanding scenes, isn't it? He's got previous for celebrating goals wildly. Outstanding seems. Right, a trip west next weekend as we face Air United. How do you think we'll get on? We're at Dode Fox Podcast on social media. You can check out the website dodefoxpodcast.com. Do have a great week, stay safe, and as always, don't forget to wash your hands and your arsehole. <laughs>